This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of 180 Degrees. The <laughs> groovy movie section. We are literally in the groovy movie section of the show. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what happens in this section, we play a clip from a movie or a series that you probably watched when you were a little bit younger. This one I watched a lot when I was very much younger. I think a lot of 90s kids enjoyed it. It was very popular, and I think there's a character in this who appeared in another cartoon that was also previously a groovy movie. Interesting. Yeah, I want to give him away, but I don't even know what his name was. I just, I never knew his name. I just know what he looks like. He's red. I have no idea. <laughs> I think when you hear it, you'll know what it is, but like you, you'll know his face, but you yeah. may not know his name either. So if you guys have any idea what the groovy movie for this week is, Please WhatsApp 081-729-1657. I repeat, 081-729-1657. We would love to hear from you. And here it goes. Site now www.imymovements.co.za Zoe on 180 degrees. Now that was a live by Big Daddy Weave that we just enjoyed. But before we enjoyed that nice, fantastic tune, we had a bit of a question for you that also featured a tune. Now we had our groovy movie, and we just asked you guys um, what the groovy movie was, and I'm just going to give it to you because I don't like keeping you guys in suspense. Our groovy movie for this week was Cow and Chicken. Woo! Woo! Indeed. Ye yeah. old classic. Yes. <laughs> I remember watching that with my grandpa. It was weird. <laughs> I remember watching it and like I would, it was the show that it crossed over with. Yeah. Is I Am Weasel. And I would always get confused. Like, because yes. they would show together. Like, either one would show before the other. And then I'd be like, is it still happening? What, what, yeah, what's going on? Right? Because <laughs> that character, ooh, he took me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So tonight we'll be speaking to a Miss Farzana Rahiman, who is a social worker. And the reason we're speaking to her is because last week, if you didn't know, was Child Protection Week. And, well, we celebrate or celebrate. We make awareness for that week during the month of June because of Youth Day, as well as a few other reasons. So if you didn't know that, now you do. But here it's now is not the time to feel like, oh, OK, I've been too late. Things aren't going too well. You can listen to this and figure out what we can do, how we can get more involved, and what social workers are doing during the lockdown. So, Farzana Rahiman is the manager of a Kalsufid Badisa office. They are mandated to render child protective services. She's newly appointed in position as of November 2019 and has a career that is spanning over 15 years in social work. She's still a registered practitioner. Family is her safe space with a hubby of 18 years and two awesome daughters, and spiritual life grounds her. Now, here's something for you, Zoe. Her husband introduced her to motorsports about 18 years ago. And mm. the bug bit. She's in it still. Like, this lady gets behind <laughs> the wheel of a sports car and just drives at, like, Fajana, I think you were saying 160 kilometers per hour? That's right. <laughs> Please teach me how to drive. <laughs> I need you. 
Can you imagine getting into the car with your with your instructor and like I'm about to show you some new skills? <laughs> like when I was with my instructor and I'd get to sixty, he'd be like, "Calm down." Fajana, <laughs> it is a, so lovely to have you on air with us this evening. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. No, it's great to be speaking to you. So let's just jump right on in. How has the lockdown affected social work and social workers? Look, social work has always been a a profession about innovation. Um, Ours is one that is born out of the desire to assist. But over the years, social workers have structured themselves um, to be a force with knowledge and process. Mm. So obviously during this lockdown, the greatest um, concern for social workers is our clients. Um, the hands-on support through therapy, mediation, our groups, our home visits that we conducted, our interventions, our court, our court attendance, as well as community involvement and our current investigations, everything mm. had to come to a complete halt. Yeah. Um, within about a week, there was a lot of discussions going on. I've got an awesome team of 14 staff members who could not sit on their laurels. Um, as such, within a week's time, we've restructured the way we deliver our services. So within the following week of lockdown, our services were still up and running, um, which has changed the manner in which we were conducting our home visits, for example. Um, so it just became a, a, a concern in terms of structure, but we've refined the process and the coordination into a routine, and we're now able to conduct our work. That is absolutely incredible, because I feel like there are so many people who rightfully feel traumatized and disempowered mm-hmm. by the lockdown mm-hmm. but what i'm hearing from you is that your team is just like no nah, we are getting into this we're getting creative we're getting innovative and we're going to continue to serve our community as best we can that's exactly what happened um our forms of of, of communication shifted from um at first there was no contact so immediately a week later we shifted onto online platforms um, for clients that didn't, or for our community members that didn't have access to online, we made things available to them in paperwork. For those that weren't able to come to the office, we'd arrange for us to be able to go and drop it off at their places. Everything just needed so much more structure. Um, obviously, during this period, our services have also expanded. So our focus is not just only on child protection. We've also looked at social relief of distress, which is a major concern within the care of the area. Um, and it's something that our office, even prior to lockdown, thankfully, was, was running a program on its own, self-funded, um, for years, where we were giving our food parcels to clients that maybe have been receiving food grants or not, or sorry, social assistance or not, but we seen the need to be able to provide support. Obviously, that has expanded exponentially um, in terms of the amount of, 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 of clients that we are able to, to reach. And the support that we've gotten from our community is amazing. It's a self-funded initiative. So, you know, it, it's really us doing it on our own. Um, when I say us, I speak to the DISA Caregiver Office, but I'm fully aware that our DISA group in itself is one that also sustains the offices mm. through support and guidance and also just referrals to where allocated assets could also be potentially advantages to the community in which they serve. Yeah, yet it sounds like you guys have got a mean team, aren't they? Oh, no, I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So I would like to ask, Child Protection Week just ended yesterday, but what are some ways that we can build awareness around this issue, not just for one week, but, you know, year-round? 
Because this isn't a problem that just ends in like a week. You know, the way I, when, when I was, I would say new, I couldn't understand the concept of giving it a week of focus because it is something that arguably is something that happens 24-7 and 365. And I think with determination in media life, in the platform of the world in which we live in, everything gets an attention. You know, whether it's a mother's day or a father's day. So obviously with child protection, we could give us the opportunity to be able to, to hone in on this subject and, and really create and an agreement on a platform and reach out to so much more people. Um, building awareness is something that starts within the home. I think that's the one thing that our office is really grounded on, is that your home is your first classroom. Your kids are your first learners, and you as parents or family members are the first teachers. Children are sponges. If we can teach them about and edu- educate them on awareness, we're actually educating them on their rights. Mm. When you educate an adult, you educate them on the ability to practice, you know, I want to say good habits and start conforming into what is acceptable both within society and within the realm of the law. Um, start small. When you have a home, you look at your community, so you've got a community of streets, you've got churches, you've got other faith-based organizations. There's so many platforms like soccer teams and netball teams, we've got youth movements, um, there's so many things that we as women are engaged on. We've got book clubs. Um, like you said earlier, I've got two daughters. So they on on platform um, on these WhatsApp groups with their friends. And it was often when they come across certain things at school, you educate your own and they can rely and educate someone else. Obviously with the correct information, provide them with the tools of awareness. So within the community, you start at your library. Um, give little talks. Um, the churches have beautiful platforms. We have ECDs where we can fully support and educate the educators on how it's best practice. So those are the platforms where I would advise you start with creating an awareness. Education is creating awareness to both the abuser as well as the abused. Hmm. I really love what you're saying about the, the the whole idea to empower people with the type of knowledge that they can use in practice. It's not just some fun facts that they can throw around, but something that they can really use in everyday life. Yeah, as well as like being able to like identify these things. Yes. I feel like a lot of people genuinely don't realize when something is wrong, especially if they think it's normal. Yeah, like you feel... I, I've experienced this myself. Like you, you witness something and it just feels wrong. And you're like, this doesn't feel right. But you are not mm-hmm. empowered with the knowledge, then okay, this is this is actually wrong. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. how has the lockdown and the closure of schools affected the reporting of child abuse and harassment? This is the sad reality for my office in the Kells River area. The biggest part, I'd say, about ninety percent of our reporting came from the over thirteen schools that fall under my service delivery area, mm-hmm. um, and all of that came to a grinding halt. I think it was understandable that people's mind shift has changed, so it was on self-preservation and survival of their own. And when it became a norm and reality, people realized that our offices are still open. So when, when reporting child abuse or the fact that our office was still open, it just changed the way that they were reporting it. There has been a significant drop in child um, abuse reporting matters. However, with the schools that have now started opening, We've got within the first week no less than six reports of child abuse. That's at least one per day um, within a week of opening. Um, our team is, is, is geared up to be able to, to 
I want to say, stand before lot that's going to happen. And we put processes in place with how we're going to be able to deal with it. However, the sad reality is that when it comes to reporting a child abuse, often people just don't know where to start, mm. what to do. Mm. Um, you mentioned something about that little voice inside you. I can assure you that as a social worker, that voice becomes your survival guide. That becomes your little red light. Um, when you're in a situation, when you're doing an investigation, and you have a feeling... And this is the ability to be able to differentiate between fact and fiction is where the training comes in. And our training is a combination of both methodology as well as practice. You, you are trained to be able to rely on your instincts and you're able to look at things through a different sense of glasses that you put on, if I can put it that way. Mm. Um, and we try and teach children that that little voice, when they say that is not okay, that's the voice you need to listen to. As an adult, if you feel something is not okay and it doesn't sit well with you, that's also something you need to listen to. I think as adults, our voices are just so much louder in terms of demands placed upon us in our lives that we kind of get lost into what we prioritize and what is not. I'm actually, I, I'm so, I'm not shocked, but I, I'm, I'm really, I'm affected by what you're saying because we, I, I really feel what you're saying about we, we turn to our own and we're like, we just got to self-preserve. We got to keep the schools closed. We got to do all these things. But it's not that simple in the South African reality like that. It's, it's not no. that simple. So let's break this down a little bit. Let's say that little voice is speaking to me. Can you give a brief explanation of what constitutes child abuse? So within the, within the South African context, it's, South African context is different to, to legislation internationally. So our legislation comes from the child abuse of, of, of the act of the child abuse act, which is what we governed under. Um, you have different types of child abuse. You have physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional or psychological. You have neglect and exploitation. Um, the causes of abuse or the, the signs of abuse are not always as clear-cut as people would think they are. It could be a withdrawn child. It could be a child that is, had a change in their personality. Often we find with school academia, the biggest pickup is the drop in their marks, um, the social interaction. Um, children have a listless in life. Um, those are things that, that, that educators and family members pick up, the hostility or stress, the depression, the lack of concentration. Often it also manifests itself in psychosomatic manners, um, headaches, nausea, abdominal pains, those kinds of things. So those are the indicators that we look at and we look out for. Um, just to, to go back to the area that we work in, with 13 schools and 14 social workers, so the area is quite large. So rather than the staff of 14, we rely on the community to be able to report to us so that we can take it further. Because we cannot keep our pulse, our hand on every pulse of every child within the community. So we really rely on the community as gatekeepers to be able to secure children. What I'm hearing you say is that unless you explicitly see like a violent action against a child you will usually only be able to really pick it up if you are in a relationship like you know this child and you have walked a yep. path with them mm. mm -hmm. yeah often that often that you see an effect because you know the personality of the child mm. that's how the non-physical features obviously with physical um features you're going to have an immediate pickup 
um, bruises that are unexplainable on a child, both in face and body. Um, medical practitioners are also mandated to inform on certain um, incidences that occur. Um, when it's an incident that's reported that they've sought medical attention for, but the explanation of the incident doesn't really match the cause of, of, of harm that has been brought to the child. They too will inform directly to us without the content um, of the current caregiver. Mm. Okay. Um, because remember, in child abuse, you don't need content to be able to report it. And I think that's often something that is mis- you know, misunderstood. I think that it, it also bears saying that if you are... Um, like a spiritual leader, you're someone who has a small group of children, like a Sunday school teacher or so on, you mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. obligated to report mm. if you know that a child is being abused in any way. You have to, otherwise you are seen as complicit. Am I, am I right in saying that? You are spot on. Often we find people come to our office or come because they have a concern of a neighbor. Um, but I don't really want to get involved. Um, I see you, you referring to the to the Sunday school. It could be in the youth club at church as well, mm. um, where children are picking up on peers of theirs that something is not on, and they report it to whoever the youth leader is. Those are things that we rely on. Um, we need someone to stand up for the one person that cannot stand up for themselves at that point because they are now focused on surviving, whether it be surviving the night or surviving the week. Sometimes it's just surviving to the next incident. Um, and it's that reporting the minute someone has informed you you're obligated, not only by will role within the child's life, but by law, you are mandated to inform the person. Like you say, you can then become complicit and also an accomplice to it. Now, it's, it seems like a harsh word to use in this environment, but if you send a child home, that it could potentially going to have a life-threatening um, situation. And you knew about it, and you were too scared to speak up. I don't want to know what is going to happen to you emotionally, mm. but I can inform you that once you do find out that certain people have known about it and have chosen to keep the peace often, it's a family member, or I think back in the day there was more, there was more covering up because you know these things doesn't, yeah. it isn't really spoken about. Um, the minute you find out, and, and, and trust me, it's not only the social workers that work on cases, it, it's a team of multidisciplinary individuals that are highly skilled and specifically trained to be able to identify and investigate these circumstances. Um, once you do find out and you were involved and you chose not to report it, there is a charge that can be laid against you because your speaking up could have saved a child's life. Often we found in the South African context, I'm not even going to go across our borders, the amount of children that could have been saved by just speaking up. Um, it could have made a difference in the child being alive. I think with the current global climate and with what's going on in our very own country, the fact that you have a voice and that you, we all have a platform, no matter how small, we mm-hmm. all have a say, we all can use that. I, the responsibility that comes with that, we mustn't underestimate it. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And, you know, often we underestimate our own ability in terms of the strength that we do have. Mm. Um, And I think people should stop making it about them. Yes. It isn't about you and your role and how you're going to, the family's going to look at you funny 
or the neighbor's going to look at your funny. I'd rather be wrong and report something that I was wrong about than not report something that I had a feeling about mm-hmm. and it turned out to be right. Um, this isn't about you. This becomes about the child. Mrs. Rahim, I would like to ask if we as individuals witness child abuse or ex- maybe like this is a child is listening and they're experiencing it, what <laughs> steps can they take to report it or to get to a social worker to get justice for them? Okay. So there's two different scenarios. I'm going to speak to the first one first, which is witnessing child abuse. If this is a direct physical and you've seen it in front of you, obviously your responsibility is to stop it. Mm. Um, but not just to stop it, you know, please don't hit your child mm. and walk away because you often exacerbate the situation where the child's life is now actually further in danger because the abuser will take out that sense of shame that someone sees him or, or whatever kind of emotion he's going through or her, she's going through, take it out on the child behind closed doors. So it is to stop and to educate both the child and the adult, first of all, what you're doing is wrong, X, Y, and Z. But then it's also to take down certain details. Obviously, with certain things, there can be a bit of a talk, but take down certain details so that there's a follow-through on what it is that you've stopped. Take down the child's name. Take down the parent's name. Some form of identifying details. Go to your local police station. Make an affidavit and come and drop it off at our office. That's all we need. Hmm. That is all we need. Um, It's really that simple. If you feel you don't want to phone a police officer, come and drop it off at our offices. All child protection offices across the board within South Africa operate on a affidavit. So we can initiate an investigation once we're given an affidavit. An affidavit is often taken very lightly, but you are saying under oath. So if you're lying to a social worker, you are committing a criminal offense. So that is why we require an affidavit. Otherwise, we're going to be investigating until they don't like each other for a very long time. So there has to be a certain means of control. If you are a professional, and like you say, a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader or a teacher at the school or even a, a, I want to say, a pastor or priest or someone that the child has a form of bond with, but you're in a professional capacity and you've done it in, a, in an environment where there isn't a personal, there's an interpersonal relationship based on the environment that you're on. There's a form specifically dedicated for professionals to be able to relay the information with us, and that is, that is regulated by the Form 22. Um, without going into too much detail, it's just a form that is attached to the Children's Act, and professionals are, are allowed to use that. So that is the, the main form of communication that we get with from a, a school. Um, so that our feedback is regulated to them as well. Now, to answer the second part, if you yourself is experiencing it, this is not any more difficult than the first one. If you feel you don't want to speak to anybody um, and you want to speak to a social worker directly, you can go to your school teacher and tell your teacher, I, I, I need to share something with somebody and I don't want to talk to you. I would like you to contact a social worker. Um, each school has a social worker that is allocated to them via the Department of Education. Each school often has a social worker that is employed by the student, the, the SGB, the school governing body. Um, and if you really don't want to speak to anybody related to the school, 
All children have emails. All children have Facebook or access to that. It's as simple as sending me a mail, sending my office a mail, and we will come and investigate. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's um, literally just reaching out. Mm. It's really just putting your hand up there. I can assure you, if you are someone that is going through something that, that you need some support with, and you are also a little bit confused as to what is happening, um, the minute you pick up the phone, there is going to be someone on the other end that's going to listen to you. And it's going to be able to advise you. Rajana, thank you so much for sharing that. I think just before we end this off, I want to make a call to everyone listening to this at the moment. Listen to what you're feeling at the moment. Speak to those emotions. Go sit with them. I don't know what's what's going on, but please just listen to those emotions. Contact someone if you need to. If you are experiencing it, if you know one of your friends or someone at your church or someone in your community is experiencing it, please, this is your call. This is your sign that you've been waiting for. Reach out for that. Farzana, if you could please share some of the resources that you and your team have made available or tell us how can people get involved? What, what do you guys need from the community? At the moment, like I said, everything of ours is gone on a media platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have activated, well, we've had Facebook. We post all our information on Facebook. If you want to send us an anonymous message also for reporting something, you can, you're can. you more than welcome to do that as well. We often um, accept referrals through Facebook. Um, we've got a direct telephone number you can contact us on. Um, can can you, I give it to you? Yeah, yeah, please give it to me. Okay, it's 021. Yeah. Nine zero six. Yeah. One double eight one. Cool. Is there another number? Um, Is that it? We have a office cell number that you can also contact us on. Yeah. You can get the cell number for you. Okay. Um, okay. Oh seven six. Yes. Five double one. Yeah. Four five two eight. Okay, thank you. I've saved those numbers. I'll be repeating them across the show for the last little while, and you guys can message us as well on our, our WhatsApp if you need to get those numbers. But of course, they can find you on Facebook as well. So you know, easy. They can. All our details are there as well. Rajana, thank you so, so much for coming and sharing your expertise with us and sharing your heart for your community. I think, gosh, Zoe, I don't know. Maybe you have some more articulate thoughts than <laughs> I have at the moment. I am just thankful that you came on to talk about this. I feel like child abuse happens and it's so widespread and many people may not realize (laughs) that it's happening, but you've shed some light on how to both see it happening in yourself and in other (laughs) people and how to reach out and get help for these people because I wouldn't have known. Mm. Fortunately, I have not witnessed or maybe I've been blind, but like now that I have this new opened eye i can look at situations very differently but i would not i don't i didn't know how to get mm-hmm. help for someone who would have been in this situation and seeing how mm-hmm. easy it is it's like i could easily do this Fajana, thank you so so much for coming on we will be thinking of you in your motor car driving all over the place please be safe <laughs> Thank you for granting me the opportunity to speak about child abuse. It's something that's very close to all our hearts um, within the Bidusa group, um, and especially within my office as well. And thank you for allowing us to expose you on as well. Fantastic. We hope you have a wonderful evening further. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Guys, 
Yeah. If you just tuned in, you've missed a phenomenal interview with Ms. Farzana Rahiman, who is a social worker at a Kalsra Firbadisa office, who does incredible work even during the lockdown. So please, if you are witnessing child abuse, now listen, child abuse, if you're under 18, you classify <laughs> as a child still, I'm sorry to tell you, um, <laughs> but that classifies as child abuse. Please go and report it. If you know of something else, we are called to point out these things. Turning a blind eye to it means that you are saying it doesn't matter and it we can't say that we cannot have that conversation so let's take a bit of a turn if you guys want to send us any messages any thoughts any questions for Fajana, please send us through to 0817291657 that is 0817291657 i'll be giving the phone numbers that she shared earlier um a little bit later in the show but for now we're going to go to the bible quiz Die Departement van Binnenlandse Zaken ondersteunt die regeringse pogings deurgans om die verspreiding van COVID-19 te bekamp, deur te verseker dat al werknemers veilig gehou word, onderwijl landsgenote van noodzakelijke dienste gebruik maak. In lijn met de gebalanceerde benadering tijdens vlak 3 van die grendelperiode regulaties, biedt Binnenlandse Zaken die volgende dienste aan. Die registraties van geboortes, die heruitreiking van geboortesertificate, laterregistraties van geboortes per afspraak, hiewelijksdienste, Sterftecertificate, uitreik van tydelike ID-certificate, afval van ID's en paspoorte. Net vir persone wat gemoeid is met die oorsteek van grense om noodzakelike dienste en medicijne te verskaf. Amal wat ons kantore besoek word herinner daaraan om sociale afstand te behou en een gezichtmasker te dra. Geen masker, geen ingang. Saam kan ons die coronavirus klop. Die Departement van Binnenlandse Sake, ons gee om. 180 degrees on Radio Cape Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. There is so much more for you to enjoy and explore on TBN in Africa. We bring you up-to-date and uplifting Christian programming and entertainment, and we will continue to do so in our quest to bring you credible and authentic programming designed for you and your family. At TBN in Africa, you can explore a wealth of content right from your home and enjoy access to many resources to help you shape your Christian journey. Join your TBN family on DSTV channel 343 and experience authentic Christian television like never before. To find out more, go to tbninafrica.org. TBN in Africa, for you, for life. Hey guys, welcome to the Bible quiz section of the show. Now, you are tuning into 180 Degrees and it is currently 13 minutes to 8 o'clock. So this week's Bible quiz, I think it's in the Bible, but it's a bit of a twisted one. So what, <laughs> what is the most mentioned phrase in the Bible? <gasps> it is literally mentioned 365 times, one time every day. It's a message Ooh. of encouragement if you have any idea what it is and it i think it's going to be one that you may not have known but like once you hear it you'll realize when you were reading the bible you read it a lot a so lot, if you had a lot <laughs> like 365 times there you go <laughs> if you have any idea what it is please whatsapp 0817291657 and if you would like a clue it is included in the bible verse isaiah 41 verses 10 only a portion of it not the whole bible verse yeah 
So yeah, check that out. We'd love to hear from you. Now we're just going to quickly hear "Stan Op" by Diewald Chaus. One eighty degrees on I Am Youth Movement. Health tips: How to be happy in your health. It's not just about being healthy; it's about being happy. Should be quite interesting. Chocolates are the true source of happiness. Well, all right. We just listened to um, we just listened to Stan Ops. I was gonna say Opstan. Yeah, yeah. Because I said different, different. So you can't just say Opstan in Afrikaans. Well, I can Opstan. I got up this morning. Okay. We just listened to Stan Op by Diavolchos, and it was quite a jam. But before that, we asked you guys what the Bible quiz was, and I'm just going to quickly give it to you so I don't eat into any of the happy health qu- <laughs> time. So the answer was the phrase "Don't be afraid." Brian, with you. Do not fear. Basically, don't fear. Do not fear. Yeah, that's awesome. It's done in different ways yeah, yeah, yeah. throughout the Bible, but "Do not fear" appears 365 times that's in the amazing. Bible. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> if you guessed correctly, woohoo! Right. So we're gonna do in what our last five minutes of the show. <laughs> um, let's talk about how we are what let's talk about what's going on in the world and how we are changing the world and our responsibility as christians around it so obviously there is a very big conversation going on around uh, can we talk about can we say black lives matter and it's spurred so many conversations within south africa as well because obviously we have got something similar I would say maybe even heightened that people have gotten more used to because Mm. it's just it's part of our day to day and now we've started difficult conversations and it's it's hard for people to talk about this because it's uncomfortable i think a lot a lot of the anger and the feelings of guilt and the also that comes from discomfort comes from being told that things aren't right and you're contributing to things Mm. not being right how do we deal with that and I think this really connects to what Farzana was talking about. Like, if you are witnessing things and you are made aware of something that is wrong, you need to say something. Yes. Even if it's not the right thing, because that's actually what touched me. Because a lot of the time, I feel like people are scared to go and report child abuse. Because oh, wh- what it's if it's not my place? Yeah, it's not my place. Or oh, what if I'm wrong? What mm. if you know nothing's going to happen? Like those people will be investigated. They might know it's you. They might be mad at you, but. If the investigation comes up with nothing, it's like, cool, at least now you know the kid is safe, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's rather that. Very true. Um, so if you feel something's wrong, follow your gut feeling. Like, this is what God calls us to do. God calls us into the discomfort. Peace does not mean that... Peace does not mean order, right? Everything being fine and okay, and we just want everything to go back to normal. Since the lockdown started, we've been throwing around this new normal stuff, mm. right? And things like, being... What does that even mean? We don't know, you know? And we're building it. Mm. We're I don't know what it is either, but we're building it. So what I want to, to say, the reason why this is in the Happy Health Tips segment is because this is the health of our community. This is the health mm. of our society. This is the health of our church. The health of our families. This is the health of you. If you are not... If you're not part of your society in such a way that you are actively building towards a better world for all of us and you're turning a blind eye to suffering of someone Mm -hmm. because it makes you uncomfortable Mm. so true you gotta sit with that so how do we do that because obviously i'm feeling all sorts of ways (laughs) as well um how do we deal with this honestly um the only advice i've got for you is 
do research, read, write about it. Please, for the love of all that is holy, go <laughs> sit at the feet of God with humility and say, literally, you can use these words if you're at a loss for words. Hey, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it, but I want to live according to your will. I want to love all of your children. Right? Mm, yeah. This is a very complex co complex conversation we cannot have in five minutes. No. So what we want to tell you is that, listen, engage with this discomfort. And even if you say something wrong, sorry, jump in at any time. <laughs> even if you say something wrong, say something wrong with, you know, le lean yeah. towards justice. Be humble about it. Be yes. open and willing to be taught at all times because no one knows everything. Thank you. And you can always seek to learn something from everything anyone even mm. like a toddler can teach you something theoretically yes i read an artist's quote today um i cannot remember the artist's name right now um go check out my instagram stories um but she was talking about once we know everything we know how to do something we start to die a little bit mm. yes like the creativity in you starts to die. It is that constant learning, constant growing. There's always something new that you can learn. There's always, in art, there's always a new technique. There's always a new influence. There's always a new color, a new material. And I think the same applies with our journey to, to anti-racism. Mm. There's always something new you can learn. There's always a new layer that you can unwrap. Now, I'd, whatever color you are, there is something to learn here. There is something that you can teach. There is something that you can share. And I really want to say, be what you said, be humble about it. Yes. Be humble in every... Be teachable. Yes, be teachable. And like, even... We all have something to learn from this. Mm. All of us. Now, I'm going to say, it sounds a little bit like we're stumbling around and we're not entirely sure what to say. Because we aren't. We are not sure what to say. We have five minutes for this. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is something that has been going on for literal centuries mm. in all societies. And we're not going to fix it in five minutes, for goodness sake. So please have a little bit of grace with us as I speed through this. <laughs> but what we're saying is, we are with you in this discomfort. Yes. Um, Zoe and I are with you in this. We're experiencing it in different ways, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but we're with you in this discomfort and we are traveling with us. We are engaging. We are making mistakes. We are making strides. We are making baby steps. And we are doing all of this because we know that God is calling us to do it. God is calling us to something higher. God is calling us for something more. And he's doing the same for you. So don't be scared of doing it wrong or for like, you know, being a bad person learn if someone calls you out on it say mm -hmm. thank you <laughs> yeah ask, think to yourself why are they saying this try what i try to do is i always try to put myself in the other person's shoes empathy yes empathy so it's like if certain people think this way perhaps ask yourself why do they think this way why do they have this point of view and maybe it might help you maybe it might teach you something mm. yeah and even i heard something beautiful so um i follow a lot of influencers we have, um, I follow a lot of influencers yeah. on, on Instagram and the one was saying that even the hateful comments, even mm -hmm. the people who spoke through anger can teach you something. Mm -hmm. So true. And find out what that is. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'm <laughs> not that angry person, but you know, go and do that. So thank you so much for listening to this program. Please reach out to us and just know, even if you're not going to talk to us right now, we are praying for you. We are in this with you and that's me stumbling through all of this awkwardness <laughs> until next week this has been 180 degrees signing, signing out, out. this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit on 729 am 
visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.